All right, so here on Beyond Eight Figures, we do sit down with entrepreneurs who have either exited for more than $10 million uh, or currently run businesses that gross more than $10 million annually, and we get to the bottom of exactly how they started and scaled and, well, in some cases, exited from those businesses. And if you're listening to Beyond Eight Figures for the first time, welcome to the show, and definitely want to say thank you to those uh, who have been taking the time to rate and review and subscribe uh, to the podcast edition of the show. And uh, again, you can well you can find us on all your favorite channels, of course, the iTunes, the Stitchers, the Overcasts of the world. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say hello to the lovely Mary Goulet sitting on my left. Hello, Mary Goulet. Hello. How are you? Good, <laughs> Good, to, Good have to be you here. here. Richie Ote, what's up, my brother? How's it Wade going? is getting it under control in the studio. Kelly's got it under control back at headquarters and super excited to bring in our guest here sur- uh, shortly. And we'll, we'll make sure we get your name uh, pronounced correctly on this as well, Chris. But let me just uh, recognize a couple of people who have taken a, a moment to uh, review the podcast uh, edition here of the show. Let me start with Dr. Bill, Dr. Bill Bergman. Uh, who shared, thank you for sharing a five-star review of us, saying this is a great podcast, uh, and I have learned so much from this podcast with Steve Olsher and Mary and Richie. Uh, I just finished listening to the interview with Dr. Angela Loria. That is a great interview, by the way. So if you guys haven't listened to our interview with Angela Loria, uh, make sure you check that. She is completely uh, dismantling and reinventing the world of book publishing. So if you've been thinking about publishing a book, uh, check out that episode with Angela Loria. Uh, Dr. Bill went on to say, strongly recommend that everyone listens to this episode. It provides so much practical information from Dr. Angela's personal experience on building a successful business from the ground up. I'm looking forward to learning from other guests and eventually being interviewed on this podcast. And of course, we would love to have you on as well. So lots of great reviews. I'm not going to read them all here, but uh, we'll, we'll keep feeding them in here every now and again uh, on the live episode. And don't forget, we do broadcast live every Thursday uh, at noon Pacific. So you can catch us live at noon Pacific. If you go to beyond8figures.com, you can catch the live feed there. So again, beyond8, the number 8figures.com. All right, let's jump into things because we've got, uh, well, I will say this, man, just given where you're at with your business and everything that you've got going on, I am sure an hour of your time uh, is something that if you were billing for it, we would pay a lot. So let's uh, let's just jump straight into things and honor you for being here with us. And Chris, is it is it Ciccinelli? I just want to make sure I'm pronouncing it. Ciccinelli. Chickenelli. Okay. Yeah. There we yeah. go. Close, but no cigar. So Chickenelli. All right. That's all right. It's been that's been the my whole life. So you know, it's kind of one of those things. People look Chickenelli, Chickenelli, Chickarelli. So <laughs> it's it is. All right, man. So and just out of curiosity, were, were they able to get that whole thing on the back of the uh, the football jersey, or did you have to go it, around to the front as well? We had this. We had to go all the way around to the front. It was kind of <laughs> one of those things, and it was kind of fun, you know. Growing up, it, it's kind of like what Dale Carnegie said, you know. Hey, listen, you got to make sure you, you know, pronounce somebody's name right. Yeah. And every time, you know, I, I constantly have to like tell people, especially now, I have three kids, mm-hmm. and you know, you can imagine they're uh, in, in third grade and fourth grade, and then also in second, and nobody could spell their name. So it is constantly a, a contest of the Chickenelli household to spell your name properly. Yeah. Got you on that. So let, let's do a proper introduction here. So Chris, you're the CEO of a, a company called Pure Romance. And I know you have other things going on yep. as well. And we'll cover uh, some of those things uh, as well. It's an interesting business to say the least. And you know, on the surface, one might look at it and go, you know, I mean, it's probably a cute little business, this sort of thing. Uh, but you qualify for beyond eight figures, uh, as someone who is conducting more than uh, generating more than $10 million in annual revenue. As a matter of fact, uh, in 2019, what are you guys on pace to do? 2019, we're on pace to do about $250 million a year. Wow. That is very, very impressive. And so you have about 300 employees now. How how many employees worldwide? so worldwide, so we have two things. We have 150 employees that are, you know, local, you know, that are warehouse customer service. Uh, we have all kinds of different, different creative, whatever. But we have 30,000 women that are selling worldwide offices in, in Australia, offices in uh, South Africa. Um, you know, we have offices located in Canada, our main distribution facility here in Cincinnati and also Puerto Rico. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it is a it is a definitely a worldwide network continue to expand into different markets. Um, but the employees here, we are very lean. We're very mean, and uh, and we have a we work hard, play hard. Yeah, I mean it's super impressive. But we're just breaking it down per employee. 
I mean, you're you're about one point seven million per employee, something something like that. Is there a, yeah. is there a particular metric you're trying to hold to? You know, uh, no, because our whole our whole thing is customer experience, right? So we don't sit back and say, "Hey, listen, we're going to put a dollar value associated to actually how many consultants or how many sales works or how many dollars we're getting in." Our, we model our growth, we model how we do as a business as far as how people are enjoying the experience, not just the product experience, but the experience when they call into customer uh, relations or when they're dealing with somebody from a creative perspective. Um, and that's kind of been, you know, one of my big you know, aha moments here, you know, going through business school, going through all the different, uh, meeting different consultants, if it's Deloitte, if it's Bain, if it's McKinsey, you know, they all have these different metrics. Um, you know, I'm a kid that graduated 167 out of 169 high school, barely getting through, you know, uh, uh, college, dyslexic, all those different things. And I kind of felt that the, the biggest strength was really understanding people. And, and, and we utilize that same methodology, that same thing here. We don't put numbers to key metrics. We have, we have KPIs, of course, from a business perspective, but when it comes to really generating the sales force and leading 30,000 30, people, it's about what experience can we deliver every day? What is the BPA? What's blowing people away are mm -hmm. we going to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great answer. Appreciate that. Let, so let's just get some of this uh, basic sort of um, – foundational questions out of the way. And I know Mary yeah. and Rich have a ton of questions here as well. But for those who are unfamiliar then with what pure romance is, how, how would you describe it? I mean, I know what we see and, and I know yep. how we might describe it, but, but how do you describe it? So it's in-home party plan for women. We sell lotions, we sell lingerie, we sell bedroom accessories. And this isn't the lamps or mirrors or uh, dresser drawers, right? This is, you know, we're talking bedroom, uh, bedroom toys. Uh, the business was founded in 1993 in the basement of our house in Milford, Ohio, which is very similar, like Mayberry, if you ever watched, like, mm. you know, the Andy Griffin show. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my mom founded this in the basement of our house. Uh, you know, she uh, decided that there was something out there that women needed. They needed to be able to be in a safe environment to talk about their relationship, to be able to be creative, to be able to think about how to keep their, their relationship together. I mean, she saw something that was happening, and that was the divorce rate kept creeping. It, it creeped, you know, creeping in the 50s and now creeping in the 60s, and people had lost their creativity. So this was a place where people could come together. They could, you know, women could come together, ask questions about their bodies, ask questions about their relationship, uh, to really be able to go out there and find uh, kind of like how you go to Pinterest right now to find uh, if it's uh, an idea for holiday gifts or if it's an idea for when you're throwing a party at your home. This was a way for people to be able to have that Pinterest for their relationship. And that's exactly what happened. So Pure Romance Consultants uh, would go into a home. They would throw a party. There would be 10 of their friends that would be there. Uh, they would go through a presentation explaining about, you know, the number one way of communication is, you know, is, is actual physical touch and, and how to make sure that you're keeping those things alive and, and well. Mm -hmm. So our consultant would come in and do a presentation. She would then, you know, take each guest and they would go back in a private room and they would talk about what was right for them for the relationship. What did they need to add? What was the spice that they want to kind of bring back into, the, into their uh, bedroom? And that business model was a business model that then allowed you to also be able to bring people in that were looking for part-time income. My mom always wanted to make a business that you could work part-time hours, make full-time pay, mm -hmm. be able to get the kids on the bus in the morning, get them off at night, cook, clean, do homework, do all the different things that you want to do because so many moms right now uh, are, you know, want to be able to have their own identity, want to be their own business owners, but also still want to be mom mm -hmm. and they want to be home for the kids. They want to be there. Mm -hmm. And so the business model has since grown. When my mom started this, she, you know, started with $5,000, uh, recruited 55 people in 1993 and uh, was able to, you know, take that business model and, and, and grow uh, that over from 1993 till 1990 or till 1999 to a million dollar business. Mm -hmm. and that's when everything changed when she came and asked me to join the organization in 2000. And my answer was the first time she asked me to come back into the organization was there is no way I'm coming back into Cincinnati, Ohio and selling sex work. Yeah. Because <laughs> you, I mean, you actually had a pretty solid career going on your yeah. own and interestingly yeah. enough you were uh you were in the carpet business right and the decor and, and so on that yeah. that whole world and uh how did mom convince you to to, to take a pretty significant pay cut to, oh, i mean because that was you, you ended up my understanding is you were at about 100k a year at the yep. point where she said hey let's uh you know let, let's get you back here in the family business uh and i can pay you 20k and, well, uh, and, yeah. and you got to say yes, son. 
Well, it was kind of a little bit uh, crazier that I was, I had been moving up and I'd been in the e-commerce division for the organization. I had been uh, in the marketing and merchandising, different things like that. My, I had been in, in, you know, fast tracking my career as well. Uh, so, you know, for her, you know, she came back, I looked at the business um, and, and, and she had done a really good job. There was a, a great foundation that was laid and she was making good money. The, the biggest issue that I had just back, you know, to be honest, is in 2000, like, I didn't think if I took this job that I would get hired any else, uh, anywhere else. Mm -hmm. It was it was very, um, you know, uh, stigma of what was around this in 2000 was pretty, you know, pretty harsh. And so there were some things that we had to, uh, to kind of overcome. She did ask me to come back and she said uh, to me, you know, hey, can you take a pay cut and to do this? I'll give you 20% equity in the company. But I was sitting there going, 20% of nothing's nothing, mom. I mean, mm -hmm. like, you know, it sounds really good, but we have a lot of work ahead of us to be able to grow this. She saw something I didn't see, though. She saw that there was an opportunity out there for people to, to take this business. The business model was basically in Cincinnati, Ohio, in Detroit. It had 300 women at the time that were selling. And we still have that same, you know, 80-20 rule, right? So if you take 300 people in your organization, 20 or 60 of those were really driving the, the million dollars worth of business that was going on. Mm -hmm. So what she was really tasking me with was to how are we going to grow this and how are we going to you know, scale this and, and what can we do differently? And that was, um, so I did say, yes, she's my mom. Right. And I said, absolutely. I'm going to come back. And uh, in you know, hindsight, looking back at, in 2019 years later is the best decision I've ever made in my entire life. Yeah. You know, it is interesting. I worked with my mom for, uh, for the better part of nine years. Uh, the company that we worked on together was in the liquor industry. And so you and I need to start a vice fund together and, uh, and we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> but, uh, but your, your, your ending will be uh, hopefully a lot more happier than ours. But uh, that company was, ended up becoming liquor.com. Uh, ah, yeah. And we actually had the S1 filed and we were ready to go public in March of 2000. So around the time that you were deciding to come into this world, we had, I mean, just as most people know at that point in time, I mean, things just completely imploded. So that was a pretty interesting period of time for both of us in, yeah. in very different ways. But they were doing, so your company was doing about a million bucks in revenue yeah. uh, at that juncture. And it seems like, um, you know, back in the day, they used to use the term heavy lifting, right? So it seems like a yeah. lot of the heavy lifting was done in terms okay. of you had the model in place. It was really just a matter of, of scale. So were you sourcing products? Uh, in other words, the company, Pure Roman, was the yeah. company sourcing products? Uh, was it creating its own products? Like, just talk about the, the product yeah, okay. line in 2000, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure it's evolved since then. But in 2000, what did the product offerings look like and what were the margins and so on? So I would say the product offering in, in 2000 was we would we would be really more classified as a distributor. I mean that that's the best I could I could tell you. We weren't manufacturing anything on our own. You know the SKU we did not have enough volume. Uh, we weren't manufacturing any of our liquids, gels, any of that kind of stuff. Basically, you know, uh, my mom basically curated the line. She went and found the best the best product. She was like, look, this is what I think our customers need as women coming to the parties, and that's exactly how she did it. Um, she was working on a a much tighter margin that we work on now, um, you know, because now we have scale, we can go and manufacture, we contract manufacture all of our liquids, gels, anything that we do. Um, but back then, I would say the margins were closer to 47, 45%. Um, and, 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 and those are still healthy margins. Yeah. Um, it's not where we're at today, but it, they were nice back then. And just so we can break that down. So let's say you're, you're buying something for a uh, hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. That's your cost. I mean, obviously, yep. that would be a pretty expensive bottle of lotion, but whatever. We're just saying it's $100 yeah. is the cost on it. The, the distributor, in your case, would be the independent, the, the, the woman who throws these parties. Yep. She would buy it from you for $140, and then yep. she would turn around and sell that to her people for $200. Is that a, a, so, like, what, are the, what, what did that look like so from start to finish? Start to finish. So let, let me give you a kind of an instance. If, if somebody buys typically today, and I'll just give you in today's, you know, sure. so kind of put it in perspective. So MSRP is a hundred dollars, right? Let's just use that. That's the, that's hopefully, you know, per, you know, per price. Everybody sees on the website, everybody sees on our catalog. Our consultants on a blended average right now are at about 45% blended average. So what they do is they get a 45% discount off of that, uh, off of that hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. so, 
take, uh, you know, the 55, you know, $55 that we take back in, they get their 45. So they make the Delta. So they're buying it at, you know, at they're paying 55 bucks from us. They're getting their $45 that they go when they make a sale. Now, some people are at 30%, uh, you know, and some people are at 60%, uh, just depends on your volume depends on where you're at inside the business. So on the $55 cost to you, or actually that's so my the call, sale my, price to them. So the, yeah. the, the cost to you on that $55 product? Is a lot less. Is a lot less. <laughs> so, right. So yeah, we, it, you know, our market, like I said, we, we, we typically, if you, if you guys could work backwards from a math perspective, you know, we try to keep our margins now between 68 and 72. Okay. So and that's kind of like when we look at gross profit, that's kind of what we try to keep as a gross profit metric. Um, you know, each category is going to be different. You know, bedroom accessories are going to be definitely different than maybe kind of a, uh, a lotion or a bath gel or, you know, some more of a shave cream. Mm -hmm. So everything, mm -hmm. every category that we have, definitely what we wanted to get to at the end of the year is definitely a blended average between that 67 and 70 percent uh, gross profit. So in obviously we'll jump over to Mary and Richard and say, yeah. just one more question for me. So on the $35, and thanks for hammering down on these, a lot of, you know, yeah. I know a lot of folks are sensitive about the numbers, but I just think it helps for people yeah. to understand where the opportunities are. Um, so on a, on a $35, let's just call it a $35 cost on that $100 product. Is it, it ostensibly, you know, it's going to be somewhere around there anyway, 35 to 55 to then a hundred bucks. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just working backwards from the margins that you, you said you're yep. working on. How do you prevent, or what is the value, I guess is the better question. What is the value to the consumer? to then spend $100 on that product that they may be able to then pick up, maybe not for $35, yeah. but, you know, it's a commodity, right? I mean, unless yeah. you guys have your own brand on it, it's a commodity. Other people are buying it. Other people, you know, are able to put that forth. Mm -hmm. How do you justify then the, the difference in cost for the consumer? Yeah, I think today now more than ever, that's why we went into contract. We, we were getting to that point in 2000, 2003, 4, 5, and 6 is that there was no real differentiation between our products and what they could find on the market. And that's when we started making our own molds. We started working on our own tech packs. We started doing our own innovation on products mm. uh, to kind of give us a change where you couldn't find some of these. Now, can you find things that are similar? Absolutely. Sure. They're all over the market. Um, I also think, though, too, there's a sense of with the subject matter, with the, the question, um, you can buy a juicer, but if you don't read the directions, it's just going to sit there in your closet, right? It's just going to sit in a cupboard. Mm -hmm. The one thing about coming to a party or having somebody that you can trust that's not like some 18-year-old kid behind a counter selling you these types of products, it's that somebody can really tell you how to incorporate this into your relationship, how you can actually utilize this and not just create the experience of the the, the product, the use, but the entire night. How is the night going to be set up? How is everything going to be to, to use it? So there is that added value or call it that concierge service that goes along with it, that education process um, that we do have, that we, we do get a premium for our products that our consultants are able to add value to. Mm -hmm. All right, Rich? Yeah, I had a couple questions actually, but I'll start with just reiterating on Beyond Eight Figures, we talk about starting scaling and exiting and so i'll get in in a second on whether or not you plan on exiting but yep for a listener i'm gonna i'm gonna phrase this in a way where i get insight into your business or we get insight into your business <laughs> yep. and also the listener might be able to learn something that you're doing to differentiate so obviously to your point that you just got into there mm -hmm. you can find a lot of these products online but there's yeah so you're going to have a sex toy party. Let's just put it blunt as blunt's going to be. What? How does that conversation unfold, right? Because this is kind of a private conversation. Most people think this is just somebody in their house, um, but sometimes it's so private that it's not even happening in their house, kind of to your point earlier. Mm -hmm. They might be not even having the passion in there. So how do you start, so to go back to this, the start part of the start, scale, grow, or exit, um, how does this conversation even start? And the services that you provide when you're talking about it, are, are they getting really intimate? Like, are they showing them how it works? Are they like, what's really going on? 
Right. Okay, so I, I, I'll, I'll jump into the first question. So how, do, how does how does one start to bring this conversation up, right? That that's always the the, the conversation starter. You know, it's so funny. Uh, since doing this, you know, since 1993, my mom doing it, and now I'm going on my 19th year here. It's very organic. That's the one thing I tell you. It's it just about anything else that's kind of happening in today's world. If one person finds fun at at, at an event, they're going to tell 10 other people. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, you got to go do this. It was so much fun. Uh, oh, this restaurant was amazing. You got to go try it. There's sushi mid their sushi was fantastic oh my god they had the best tequilas it's the same thing with this it's a very very word of mouth type of business um a lot of our consultants you know they do they provide great education they provide great entertainment when they talk about the product they create very good uh like pen i call it pinterest boards for the mind with when it comes to this product and i i think that's really one of the coolest things that it's really organic how people talk about it. I think people are becoming more and more open about the relationships, about what they need in their life, um, about what they want to talk about. You know, uh, was my grandmother going to be around a, a table full of people talking about her love life with my grandfather? Probably not. Now, my mom, a little bit more open, but now you talk about my wife. They have conversations all the time about us. I mean, it's like, you know, and, and I think more and more people uh, want to have fun. They want to smile. They want to be able to be educated. Um, you know, you look at the millennials right now, they're talking about it's the loneliest generation that we're ever that we've had ever. And so I think a lot of them are looking about how to get together, how to how to have that camaraderie when it comes to uh, the presentation side. No, we're, there's no like real intimate like they're just talking features and they're talking about benefits of the product. They're talking about um, how to use this, how to introduce a bedroom toy in the bedroom when you're with your significant other. Um, how can you incorporate maybe a C ring into into your into your bedroom with each other? How can you incorporate just a massage? I mean, communication's not all about verbal. A lot of it, 55% of how people communicate is through their body language, right? So how do you have those, how do you have those moments um, where it doesn't always have to just be about a bedroom toy or whatever? There's other books, games, communication tools. So uh, it, it's really taking somebody on a journey is what I believe our, our, our business has done. And, you know, you, you look at it, we went from a million to four, four to eight, eight to 16, 16 to 32, 32 to 64. I mean, it was like every year it was, it was double digit growth. And you don't get that just by having a fad. I'm not going to be the next billion dollar organization. And we always, I always tell my consultants, I'm a fund manager, not an FUN manager, an FUND manager. My job is to make sure that every year we're getting double digit growth. We're making smart business decisions to grow our business. We're making sure we keep grace, class, and respect at the front of everything that we do. Because we took an, an industry that was predominantly in the back of, of magazines, uh, you know, took it from a very, I would say, more seedy route to very elegant, very classy, and very educational. And for the everyday woman that was out there, and that was important to my mom, was keeping it about education and about relationship. If you're in a relationship with yourself or you're by yourself, it, 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 it's, it, it was, that was our kind of our mantra. You know, can I add to, you're such a guy. <laughs> to ask that question, how does the conversation start? Because you know where I think it starts? In the preschool parking lot. <laughs> One woman says something. Hey, I just after heard about... After they drop the kids off. After they drop okay, the kids off. Yeah, Seriously. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the kids for a second. I was like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so What's going definitely on? <laughs> in preschool, the early grades, moms, you know, maybe have another baby on the hip and they're walking and talking in the parking lot. Someone says something. It's going to spread. So yeah. I'll let you go back to your questions, but I want to ask one, this is a direct sales, right? Yes, it is. Okay. And do you have competition that's apples to apples? No, not apples to apples. We bought them. Oh, bam. Um, and where do you rank in earnings with other direct sale companies, whatever the product is. I think we were in the top uh, 60 direct sale companies in the United States and actually in the world. So we got recognized at direct selling association. Uh, you know, when we, when you start looking at our numbers, we're never going to be an, an Amway or an Avon or, you know, more of like a Mary Kay. Uh, you know, our product category does have a hurdle to get into. I mean, a lot of people have no problem going and selling a vitamin or going and selling a, a, a drink or selling something like that. Some people have, you know, there is concern about people selling this type of product category. So there is that hurdle of, 
um, oh my gosh, what am I going to tell my mom that I'm doing, that I'm selling this, or what am I going to tell my family members? Have we seen less and less than that? Yes, it, it's becoming, you know, at, at my first years, that was always the question. How do I tell my family about what I do? Um, and I think as they saw our events and as they saw our product line and as they saw the development and the confidence that these women business owners uh, would bring, uh, they started, it started speaking to, for itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, so, and, and honestly, you're actually helping in a lot of ways because oh. w- because given the choices, like you said, the teenage kids sitting there behind the counter, I mean, mm-hmm. where you go to get a lot of that stuff, it's not exactly the most um, inviting type of environment. So, no. so you're helping. Put your trench coat on know, and right? sneak in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and yes, that was me. Um, but, <laughs> you know, but the reality is you're, you're not only, of course, providing a safe environment for that to happen, but as you said, there's also the educational piece which takes it to the to the level that, that so many others don't. But just playing off of Richie's point here, and then I know you have another question mm-hmm. as well. Let, let's talk about the scale because you, you yeah. kind of talked about it, but you didn't go in any detail. Yeah, you know, and and one of Richie's favorite questions in in this discussion here with the entrepreneurs who've either exited for more than ten or currently run businesses that gross more than ten is, you know, what did you have to break? At, at 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 a million to get to two, what did you have to break at two to get to four? In other words, what what got you to a, to seven figures definitely didn't get you to eight, and what got you to eight figures definitely wouldn't get you to nine, or or did it? But what was the? As you look back, was there a key hire? Was there a key a key initiative? What what was the key? As you as you now had a chance to to step yeah. back from a little bit, as you look back, you come in, mom says, hey, let's do this. What was that that key initiative or a couple of key things that you did? Okay, so the I, 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 the key initiative of how we grew was very simple. Um, I modeled something that was already successful out in the marketplace. I mean, and, you know, and I didn't know it at the time. You know, you just don't know until you go back and you actually sit back and you review your film. Anybody that's played athletics or sports understands. Hey, go back, watch your films. Go back and watch your tapes. See what happens. Um, when we when, when I was tasked, brought in here, you know, in 2000, you know, my mom said, you know, sat me down. We talked about our, what we were going to do. I asked her what our goal was, what our five-year plan is. And she said, I sent you to college. You better figure this out. You know, like her, her, her whole, you know, rah, rah, go get them. So I'm listening to the radio, you know, on my drive home one day. And this, uh, this topic came up on the radio and said, Hey, come meet Philippe. Philippe is the photographer of the stars. You for $99 could you know, be in Hollywood tomorrow. And it was the Barbizon model concept. And I don't know if any of you guys remember that, you know, you pay $99, you get your uh, picture taken. And next thing you know, you would possibly could be in a guest jeans a Macy's a Shilato's, whatever it might be. And I saw that I heard that model. And I remember staying up, I, w- I went to the hotel to see what was going on. Were people really outside? And I couldn't imagine there was like 200 people waiting to get their pictures taken. Mm. So I said, wow, man, if this works for, you know, people coming in for $99 for an op- for a chance, what would they pay to own and operate their own business? So I stayed up that night. I wrote an, an ad, and the ad went, come meet Patty Brisbane. Take your steps to make your dreams come true. Own and operate your own pure romance business today. And for $99, you could start your dreams today. Come meet Patty at the Westport Plaza Sheraton in St. Louis. And I wrote that, and I came in. I presented to her. She goes, that is the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> but what happened is we basically took this concept that Barbazon did, my mom and I got in a U-Haul. We went to St. Louis. Everybody always asked why we picked St. Louis. And I said it was the second most conservative city other than Cincinnati. And if you could work in Cincinnati, you could work in St. Louis. It can work anywhere. And that's exactly what we did. We got in a U-Haul. We went there. We ran $30,000 worth of media in our first event. Hmm. We only had $33,000 in our bank account. Now, our acquisition at that time, were we only getting two people in a month that were joining the organization. And we knew the scale of this business. We needed people to be able to go out there and sell our product. We, de- we needed more places other than Detroit and Cincinnati. And that is exactly what we did. So that night, we ended up signing up two people that night. Um, I'm so excited. My mom's excited. She's crying because she opened a brand new market. But as you start looking at the acquisition cost, the acquisition cost was $50,000 per person. This model was not going to work. So I come home on that, that Saturday, on Sunday, this is in 2000, we didn't have this fancy internet where you put you know, all your orders in. You either phoned them in or you faxed them in. And I get in on Sunday and my phones are ringing abnormally high. Like I'm like, oh my God, the, the, the answer machine's broke. And uh, you know, I'm kind of, finally I pick up the phone. I said, hey, thanks so much for calling for your romance. They were like, hey, I want to join your organization. I'm like, oh, where are you from? Well, I'm from St. Louis. I said, how'd you hear about us? You know, did you come to our event? Nope. Did you, you know, hear it on the radio? Nope. 
I said, how'd you hear? She goes, my husband came home today and on the front page is a St. Louis dispatch, new Tupperware to 2000. Mm-hmm. And from that Sunday to that Friday, we signed up 50 people. My mom and I basically took that same model of going out there, getting the media involved, getting radio involved. Uh, we, we, we put, when, when I tell people we put everything on the line, we put everything on the line. And we went that year, we went from city to city to city, and we never came home only on Thanksgiving and Christmas. I ran the phone. I ran the business from a StarTech flip phone from, you know, on the road mm. each and every day. And, uh, and we went and it was, once we opened one city, we'd come back and train them. Um, you know, and then go to the next city and the next city. And it was, it was that way for three years. And now, it, I'm and still in therapy because I've had to sit that close to my mother in a U-Haul <laughs> for that long. But. And, and it does speak to the power of paid versus earned media. So, yeah. I mean, what you, I think if I'm reading between the lines here, you're really a proponent then of, of the earned media uh, approach. And that was a big, as you look back, one of the key initiatives was leveraging the power of earned media. Yes. And so, you know, it, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but we we actually have an event called the New Media Summit. And at the New Media Summit, we teach people all about the world of podcasting and how to learn, uh, really leverage and monetize the power of new media. Um, but the main hook of the summit is we bring in 40 top podcasters and we give 150 attendees the opportunity to take center stage and pitch the podcasters on who they are and what they do. And they literally get booked on the spot. So the core promise of the event is you come there, you get booked, you you leave with visibility, right? Because yeah. ultimately visibility is the lifeblood of your business. And that's certainly what we preach. And I think you're, you, you would certainly second that and 100% and, and visibility 100%. ultimately generates leads. Those leads ultimately generate meaningful conversations. And if you get a decent team on hand, those conversations will generate revenue for you. Mm-hmm. So it, it is interesting to hear how you, you looked at this in terms of what's the fastest, easiest, most cost effective and, and time efficient way to get the word out about what it is that we're doing. And you went right back to media, good old, good old fashioned media. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Please. I'd be interested to hear how did that initial one work? Cause I'm kind of jabbing on the earn versus paid. I think any is good. There's if you didn't place that ad, the media might not have known. Yeah. True. Yeah. You know. I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it was definitely, uh, remember coming from, you know, we talk about floor covering industry, you know, my, it was a heavy advertised industry, right? You would see that. So I learned a lot about how to buy and how to do that in my previous job. So of course I took what I knew. I took, I, I modeled some of the things that, you know, from Barbara's on model concept and we just applied them and said, look, if we're going to really scale this, then we need to pull, you know, go all in. I see too many entrepreneurs that say they want to own a business, say they want to do stuff, but then they just want to tiptoe and they want to like, they don't want to take the big risk. They don't want to take the big, you know, I want to be calculated. I don't believe that I didn't have, I have a team full of analysts. I have a half million dollars worth of team of analysts that sit there and give me information, you know, every day. However, you know, the difference is back then I didn't have the analysts. I had this thing called a gut and, you know, I use that gut. And I think so many people need to be assured. They, they, they need to be certain. We need certainty in our world to make decisions anymore. And I don't think the most successful business owners that I've met and YPO people or whoever, you know, they, they take chances and they take risks. And we did, we did push it all in when we put $30,000 on the line and, you know, I thought, gosh, if this doesn't work, I'm either going to get fired or grounded. You know, those are my two <laughs> options. <laughs> well, and so I had this, your question, Steve, actually kind of leads back in. So it was perfect that we switching off there. Um, it's still in the scale part yeah. of the question now. And it's direct sales. But w- what is the actual model? So I'd, so if I go yeah. back to your comment of 80-20, you yep. got the 300 people and 60 of them are making the majority of sales. 30,000 people. Are you talking well, about no, I'm talking in the, in the beginning of that yeah, comment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, just in general, 20% of the people doing 80% of the sales. Um, did you notice something and try to replicate that 20%? And is that incorporated into the pay structure? Because I'd imagine those people are just really good at throwing parties and they're really good at loosening people up and getting them feeling comfortable no pun intended in there. Um, and um, is there a way that that person can be compensated by training other people to do that? So kind of what is the yeah. model and how so, do you scale that? Yeah. Okay. So it, it, there's, there's two types of scale, two types of kind of businesses that are, you, you have when you talk direct sales, there's this customer acquisition, which is you, you, you get somebody, they start getting on one of your products. If it's vitamin shakes, whatever it might be, they sign up, you know, 30, 
uh, uh, 30 day, 60 day, 90 day kind of subscription model. Ours is, is not anything like that. Ours is very, it is a, um, my mom wanted to make this. If you want to build a team, you could build a team. It wasn't that you had to. She wanted to be able to give somebody that, you know, would want to come in, wants to sell product and wants to be able to make a blend, you know, up to 45% to 50% on the sale of a product. Cause she felt like, look, you shouldn't be, you, you shouldn't have to worry that the bulk of your income is coming from somebody else. That was my mom's big thing, right? I mean, she's a pediatrician's assistant making $4.25 an hour when she you know, got into this industry. So her whole thing was to take care of four kids. And so she wanted to make sure I got paid on what I worked. And we keep that same thing true to this day. Now you do get up to you get five percent on or six percent on the people that you do recruit into the business or bring into the business. And you do get that for helping them uh, achieve if it's you know uh, more sales, if it's more you know going out there and, and getting them to build an organization. So you do get some compensation. We only go down four levels. That's it. We go down you know four levels. So it's it's six, five, two, one. That's how we pay people out um, on that. When you talk about the, the the kind of MLM or direct sale, there's breakaway models. There's all kinds of different um, you know types of ways you can compensate, but ours is very very simple um, on it because we do want to make majority of people what we want everybody to be able to do is you want to sell you know money if you want to sell fifty thousand dollars we want you to be able to walk away with you know twenty five thousand dollars that's that's our goal uh, for people when they get into business. So can I just ask to add on to that answer the twenty percent what dollar, what yearly income range are they at? Are they at 50,000 take home or, or, or your so top people? My top people, I would say, if you, if you look at it inside of the organization, so I think you guys all kind of got the number. So if you think 30,000 people, so 6,000 people are really working their business, right? Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's kind of how I look at it every day. There's some people that are coming in, some people leaving. Um, so many people say they want to run and own a business, but I find that most people like the idea of running a business. They just don't like the work that comes with running a business. Um, and, and that group coming in, I would say when we look at our top performers, our average consultant that is in that 6,000 range, she's going to pull in, you know, somewhere around that $20,000, you know, almost $2,000 a month for income. Our top people, uh, our top, uh, I would say top 200 are going to make, you know, in that six figure range that that's, that's what they're going to do. They're going to pull that in our mm-hmm. top person. Uh, our top person last year made like $1.2 million. Mm. So, um, so it, it is a wide range, but it also, the cool part about it, there's no glass ceiling. It's when it's, it's all determined on how much they want to work. So, you know, we spend almost uh, $4 million a year in trainings where we go from city to city, to city, and we're constantly educating our, our, our uh, 30,000 people on best practices, what they could do. So it, it gets down to how many parties you want to work, how many people do you want to bring into the business? Um, you know, it goes into that whole hunters versus gatherers. Do you want to be a hunter and go out there and, and get more business? That is completely up to you. And I think the ones that really are hungry, my mom always had this whole thing. And she said, the most desperate are the most successful. Now, is that, have you noticed on a map, if there's a region of the country or certain cities that you find these more successful people? D.C. Really? East Coast, East Coast does really well. Midwest does really well. Uh, Baltimore, uh, Ohio, Indianapolis, Indy, uh, Minneapolis. I mean, mm. the whole Midwest does really well. Texas does really, really well. Um, you know, I would say there's there's pockets like that we don't do well in, like New York City. New York City's not a big market for us. Uh, L.A. not a big market for us. Well, you know uh, why but, that is, right? Yeah, because there's one on every corner. Well, that yeah, exactly, and and these are conversations that people are having every single day in those communities, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's when you have that sort of <laughs> left. Well, I mean, look, when you have those left leaning conversations, yeah. and and people who are more likely to say, "Hey, that's cool, do your thing," and and Chris, I know at some point we're, we'll have you on Reinvention Radio. I'm hoping to talk about another story here. We were not going to go down that path today, <sighs> but you know, there are certain conversations. Um, that frankly just don't take place in a lot of those markets, but everyone is wired in in pretty much the same way, mm-hmm. whether we admit it or not is a whole other discussion. Well, almost yeah, going back to your intuition comment early when you said, well, how did you pick St. Louis? And it was, we're going to go to the most conservative place because those conversations aren't taking places there, but that doesn't mean 
just because they're not taking place. They don't want them to be mm-hmm. taking place. Mm-hmm. Great point. Exactly. Chris, let, let me ask you this. So you, you mentioned earlier that you um, ended up acquiring your, your apples to apples competitor. How did you, what was that structure like? Was it a, was it an all stock deal, all cash deal? Was there an earn out? How, how was that deal structured? And, and do you mind sharing what no, they were doing no. in revenue and what the terms were? Yeah, I'll give you um, I'll give you the best example. Um, I, a lot of people always ask that question, you know, because when you when you look at it, um, we had same pay plans, we had very similar product offerings, all that kind of stuff. What people don't understand though is, you know, cash is queen, right? You know, you think about it, and we basically put a lot of our competition out by through our negotiation, through our strategies on how we would uh, go after co-oping dollars, how we would go after you know volume discounts, how we would go after those things. So when people look at this, our competition kept trying to keep up with us on our pay, you know, our pay plans, different things like that. And what we found is that they basically, as we looked at their books later on, um, you know, they were just, they, they didn't negotiate on the back end. They didn't do some of the things that they needed to do. And that was something that kind of pushed, uh, pushed them out. So we, our first deal that we did was a company called Slumber Party. Um, you know, we, we picked them up for, you know, uh, around $12 million. Uh, it was, a you know, at the, at the time we, you know, it was, it, it was something around, um, uh, $2 million in EBITDA. Um, mm-hmm. it was, that was an adjusted EBITDA we had to get to. It was like, we had to really, really work hard. The bank gave us no credit for the deal. Um, so we, you know, we financed it all in, in house. We did the whole deal ourselves, Um, and so, you know, we were, we were able to kind of get that, uh, get that kind of, you know, that deal structured. So if you look at it, anybody that's kind of running numbers, it's a six time deal, right? So, yeah. uh, and that was all cash, no stock, no earn out, no nothing like that. Um, and, and we basically, the only thing that we were bringing over at that time was no other assets. It was just the people. It was the, it was the Rolodex. It was the a group of people that were going to come over. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, we knew we had a better platform. We knew we had a better way for them to scale their business. Um, uh, and we could support in, in a better, uh, better light. And that was what we really hung our hat on. Uh, it was hard because you're trying to blend a culture, right? Like anytime you do an acquisition, especially when you're doing an acquisition when it comes to people, uh, you know, that's is their family. This is what they're used to. So they don't like to upset the apple cart. And I had to make sure that they understood that this wasn't a red thing. It wasn't a pink thing. It's a green thing. How are you going to take care of your family? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that deal was a very, very good deal. That deal actually paid off in one year. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. It was a one year. We took that business uh, that uh, that year, and I believe we uh, had a seventy percent increase with the same same group of people. That's mm-hmm. how well they did. And that deal has just been a fantastic deal for us. Mm-hmm. Um, in two thousand and sixteen, we got approached with another deal, um, and that deal uh, was a very was kind of more of a sense of urgency deal. Uh, business was falling apart pretty quickly. Um, they were the last of kind of the uh, our competition that was out there very, very small organization. I, they had zero, I mean, the EBITDA was in the negative. Uh, so it was more kind of a, a, a quick, it will help you get out of the situation. Um, I cannot disclose the terms of that because it was, that was, that's the only one I can't disclose, but yeah. it was, a, it was a really quick deal. Uh, we helped really bring that sales force over as well. And that sales force in the first year went to 110% growth when they came in with us. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So out of those 30,000 you have now, how many of those um, I guess they're still clients of yours. Yeah, yeah. So how many of those clients came from acquisition? So 2000 came from the first group and, and about 2000, about 2,500 came from the second group. We also got a great market in Canada came in the second, mm-hmm. in the second field. So, so we had that, that group came. So about 4,000. Now, when you think about those, when you look at the 4,000 you, and you would say each one of them might have uh, two people underneath of them. So, say that that group represents 8,000 of our current 30,000 active Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this then. So 200 and odd, you know, million at, at this point in 2019, what, what do you expect to drop to the absolute bottom line for ownership? Well, if, 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 if we're not, if, if every day we look at this and we're not l- literally trying to get somewhere around the 20% uh, EBITDA margin, then we're not, you know, we're not doing our jobs. Well. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of where, you know, when we start looking at the business each and every day, um, you know, this is not a big capital intensive business, right? It's not a, um, it, you're, you're, it's, it's, it's really a lot of variable expense business. Um, you know, there's pay plan, there's different things that go on. So yeah, it's a, it's a business that, um, doesn't require a lot of capital like software or uh, heavy mm-hmm. equipment or anything else like that. So 
yeah, your partners need something, they order it from you, you yep. order it from your distributor and or mm -hmm. you manufacture it, whatever, and it comes, yep. you know, comes down. So, you know, 30, 40 in, in free cash flow or whatever it works out to be, it's not a yep. bad gig for you. Is it just no. you and mom still, or did you guys end up bringing in other partners? No, so a good question. So that's a that could be a whole other discussion for uh, like you could we probably be on another hour. So in 2012, uh, we did bring in private equity for you know a, a position inside the organization, not a controlling position. Uh, we did that, um, but that was a cash out at that point. That was a decision to take some cash out of the, yeah, out of the we coffers, were, put it in your pockets, and move yeah. forward. Yeah, and that was it was more of a strategic piece as well. We were starting to do a lot of more acquisitions. We were starting doing a lot more different things. My expertise level was not that level. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's kind of interesting. When we went into doing that, uh, I learned a lot. I learned that it was it was more of an LBO on their side. And 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 I kind of now understand a lot more of it. And and that's what I'm doing. I'm actually, you know, we're rebuying their position out currently right now. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, we've been restructuring that piece and, and, and trying to do some things with them. So, uh, but it was a great learning lesson. I learned a lot. Yes, we took, you know, we took a lot of money off the table uh, and it was great because when you're building a business, you're building a business and, and, and most of your wealth is on paper, right? You got all mm -hmm. of your wealth is built all, on paper and you're, you're taking a family from, you know, Milford, Ohio, that all you kept doing was, you know, feeding the beast. And, you know, we said, Hey, listen, let's, let's diversify our risk a little bit. You know, it's, it's, 2012. We want to go internationally. We want to do some of these acquisitions. My expertise is not in that. Let's find people around us that's smart money that can help us do some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we did. And so eight years later, or you know, um, we're going on seven years now. Uh, you know, now we're taking them out of the position, and uh, and it's kind of fun. I mean, it, it, it we're doing the same thing that they did to us, and 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 it and it's a very very big huge wealth creation that will happen for our family moving forward. Can you and can you talk about sort of your personal philosophy as far as taking cash out, putting it aside, not reinvesting it into the business? Because I know a lot of them is terrible. And I can speak idea. to this. Well, and I can speak to this personally is, you know, I mean, you end up reinvesting so much of that profit back into the business and in, in, in an effort to continue to help it grow. And um, sometimes, not always, but sometimes that well runs dry and you're caught holding the bag. So do you have a personal philosophy? Because you don't want to be doing this till you're 90. I mean, no. or maybe you do. But, you know, at the same token, do you have a personal philosophy around, I mean, if the free, if the free cash flow is what it appears to be yeah. on this business, what, what is your thinking and what would you recommend to our audience in terms of businesses that are generating free cash flow? How do you hedge against the future? What's, what's your personal take on that? Okay, let's say let's say thirty million. You got forty. You know, let's just say fifty percent taxes. I'm just going to throw that number out, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just keep the, that's fifteen. That's fifteen million dollars. You know, if, if you sit back and say, "Hey, listen, we're going to we're going to take twenty five percent of that and start putting away that that that's kind of the philosophy of our family." You know, put the rest of it back in the business for growth equity for you know where we want to go as an organization. You know, for we always want to have powder in the business. You never know when a great deal is going to come up, and I don't want to be going to the bank for financing or for lines of credit or anything else like that. Um, and, and, and protect it. It's not when we, you know, uh, put it in an investment account for the business. You're the owner of it. It's still your money. Mm -hmm. um, but but have it in the business. Uh, that that's that. Look, I see too many people that run their their P and L so tight. They take everything from their organization. And when things get tight, um, there's nowhere to look, look to. There's nowhere. You know, you you look at it the other side. Like, hey, if you get, you know, I've been put it back, put it back, put it back, and then there's nothing there. I've seen that on the other side where I see people take it, take it, take it from their organization, and then there's nothing there, and then they got to put it back in, and they've already spent it, mm -hmm. and that's a problem. And then they're getting in lines of credit, and they can't afford it. They're over their skis. It, it's it's detrimental. I bought more businesses that way uh, for people that just can't afford to keep the the day to day stuff going in their organization. Yeah, for sure. And and so on on the exit front, is that is that on the horizon? Is the no. goal no? No, no I, I really am. I'm having fun. I'm 44 years of age. I've been doing this now for 19 years. Uh, no, I, I look. I I love the business. I love the people. I love what we're able to do. Uh, you know, I I I feel like my job now is is to create you know more wealth for my team. Uh, create more wealth for my you know the people that are working in the sales force. Uh, no. Uh, what, I'm not very good at golf. I play, but I'm not good. Um, you know, I, I, I like to travel. I coach, I coach uh, third grade football, um, mm. you know, and I do those different things when I, but I travel 250 days a year, which is, that's a whole nother discussion, but yeah. no, I, I love it. I, I don't, I don't see any exit soon. Do we get, we get offers probably uh, four or five times a week. Wow. Um, 
for people, you know, because it is, it's a, it's a great business, great cash flow business. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and we, we've worked hard. I, I hate when people say, man, you guys are so lucky. Yeah. Because luck had zero to do with it. This is a big grind. Didn't uh, did Mama end up cutting you off a bigger equity piece, or did uh, or did you stay oh, at yeah. the at the no, five to one? No, all right. Oh no, 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 we're 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 partners, uh, and 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 we and we and it works well. And so she's she's a great partner. Uh, you know, it's fantastic to be able to to work with her each and every day, and and to see her uh, mission come alive. Mm -hmm. So, can you speak to the culture within the organization? I mean, mm -hmm. the employees, and then outside in the sales force. And then you must have some really cool events across the <laughs> yeah. country. We have some cool events. I would say the culture inside is one of, uh, you know, we, 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 we seek to serve in all we do, right? Like our job is, is to, to serve our consultants. Um, it is a kind of a different culture um, in, internal. Our job is we wouldn't have the chairs. We wouldn't have the desks. We wouldn't have some of the things that we have if it wasn't for them going out each and every night uh, to throw parties, to talk to consumers, to, to be able to sell the product, sell the product, buy them more than anything, sell themselves. And so, you know, that culture is we are going to do whatever it takes to serve our, 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 our consultants. Um, so that internal is we work hard. We work really, really hard, but we also have a lot of fun doing it. Um, I, I'd say we have a very young staff. Um, they, you know, it, it's not a clock in, clock out, nine to five type of group. Um, they, they're very dedicated to what they do. The sales, the culture in the sales force is pretty cool. The, um, it's one of, of lifting each other up, building each other up. Um, it's one of just seeing, you know, uh, this kind of female empowerment movement that's going on. Uh, being a male CEO, I, I say I have more estrogen to myself than anything, and, you mm -hmm. know, because I've been around this for 19 years. And I love to see the stories of, of these women uh, backing each other, building each other up, and and one of we all can do it together is the is kind of the, how we operate. And and the mantra is grace, class, and respect, and that's mm -hmm. how we operate every day. And our events are fun. It's about it's about a family event every time we get together. Um, people have fun. They embrace each other. Uh, they can't wait to see each other to the next event. Yeah, nice. Sounds right. like the new media summit. The new media summit, exactly. <laughs> so, all right, Chris, we're going to have to, well, let you jump here and really do appreciate the time. Uh, again, knowing how, how much you do have going on and uh, just really, again, uh, honor that you decided to, to spend this time with us here on Beyond Eight Figures. So if people want more information uh, about you, I know you do your own speaking yep. and you've, you know, you've, you've got all your own fun stuff going on as well. Yeah. So if people want more information about you, want to connect with you, connect with your company, et cetera, uh, give us some places folks can go. Uh, if they want to connect with me, it's uh, Chris at Pure Romance, and it's pretty simple, C-H-R-I-S at PureRomance.com. Um, also, if you want to uh, connect with the company, it's PureRomance.com, again, PureRomance.com. Uh, would be the two places you can go. Yeah, really appreciate that. And uh, maybe, maybe I'll reach out and uh, we'll have a conversation yeah. about liquor.com. There we go. So well, hey, listen, involved. or you could, yeah, or hey, listen, I'd love to. And uh, love, we'd love to do any type of promotional stuff. And and if you want, I have a podcast called Hit uh, Hit Growth. So uh, hopefully uh, we can do some work in the future on that too. Oh, there we go. Happy to join you on that. Have the crew come join you, whatever you want yeah. to do. We're happy to do it and uh, appreciate you getting the word out to your folks. Uh, about your appearance here on Beyond Eight Figures, yeah. and uh, thank you so much for that. Actually, let's just do this. Let's just do an MLM thing on it, and we'll get it. We'll start at the top with the thirty thousand, uh, <laughs> you know, partners of yours, and then for each time that they share, we'll figure out a point system and we'll reward all of them. Yeah, we'll just do our own pyramid MLM thing. All right, sweet. So there we go. All right, Chris Chickenelli, really do appreciate as a as I said, you taking the time here to share so much as you did here on. Beyond eight figures, we are going to let you jump and uh, and, and bid adieu, and uh, we'll we'll wrap up here. So wait, let's let Chris go. And Chris, thank you so much. We'll Thanks, talk Chris. to you very very soon. Lots of fun, you know. I mean, it's taken a a very interesting business and turning it into just a, a full fledged enterprise. You know, very very impressive. No pun intended, but it's a sexy business. It is, and women. I totally see why he's successful. Yeah, and huge margins. I mean, just tremendous margins. Uh, I mean, come on. If you're if you're putting 20% before taxes and depreciation and amortization and that sort of thing on the bottom line there, fork. I mean, that's you know, it's 50 mil and take out the taxes and whatnot, 25 to the I mean, even if they're split 50-50 between him and the equity partners, I mean, there you go. So 
Very interesting. All right, my friends, really appreciate you tuning in today. And for Mary Goulet and Richie Ote, I'm Steve Olsher. We'll talk to you next time here on Beyond Eight Figures. Take care, everybody.